0: You're about to find out the highest income split doesn't mean you have the highest GCI. Here's what i the best of the best have got the final. Watch your goal for the next six months. We're about to meet Daniel Evans, who's head of real estate business banking at Macquarie Bank. They've recently done a pulse survey where they've checked in on real estate businesses across Australia. We're going to look at what are salespeople making around the country what a business owner's making around the country, where a listing's coming from, and what social media is working. Let's go and have a chat with Dan. Hi everyone, very excited. This is a different interview. This is gonna get into the back room of a business i've got with me daniel evans who's head of real estate at macquarie business banking and he's going to give us the insights into what the best businesses in australia are doing daniel how are you going great thanks tom thanks for the opportunity today it's a pleasure i mean macquarie bank has got as clients the biggest real estate uh, businesses in the country um, and you've got a great uh, helicopter view of Um, some of the characteristics of these businesses and today uh, uh, Daniel what we're going to talk about is you've recently done a a pulse check on those businesses Um, uh, you do every couple of years do an actual benchmark That's Um, the last one you did uh, was when? Uh, 2014 right and this one uh, that we're going to go through today was a check-in process that wasn't um, the full benchmark but You looked at what happened in the what
1: the last one year in businesses? Yeah, essentially. So the 2014 benchmark report was done at a time as markets on the east coast were just starting to improve. So our clients had probably seen a couple of months worth of improved sales market. Now we've had two years of nearly three years of very strong markets, and there are just signs that they're starting to turn. And uh, the WA and Canberra markets have already softened quite significantly. So we thought this was a really good opportunity ahead of the next benchmarking report at the end of this calendar year, 2016, to do a quick. Pulse check and find out how that market and how the the growth in uh, sales volumes, in particular, has affected the businesses and how it's impacted performance.
0: Okay. Um. What are these surveys and what, what, do, I mean, what do they tell us? I mean, so you, you, uh, you sent out a survey to the marketplace, but what do they tell us?
1: Yeah, so the, the benchmarking process has been going since 2007. That was when we did our first benchmarking report, and then we've done them every two years since then. Um, we look after about 1,800 real estate clients nationally, and so we get a pretty good view of what's happening across the different states and suburbs within the states. The benchmarking report is a way of going to the whole industry, so Macquarie clients and the industry more generically, so uh, non-clients, and really getting a sense of what's happening at a at more of a macro level. So as you mentioned, that helicopter view of, of what's happening to, um, to real estate businesses. Yeah. In particular, we're always looking for what are the best businesses doing, what are those businesses who are outperforming in their marketplace doing, and how can we use that information to help improve our clients' businesses. That's essentially what we use the benchmark reports for. Okay, so um, we know that success leaves
0: clues and I want to look at some of these clues that uh, these best businesses um, were able to reveal in these questions. What did you find and more importantly I'd like to know is um, how's the market changed since early
1: 2014 when you um, last conducted it? Yeah so probably the the biggest change uh, has been that the sales market especially in Sydney and Victoria but also to a degree in Brisbane has really accelerated over that two or three year period and what we saw there was as sales volumes increased and people were desperate to capture as much market share as possible there was real competition around the cost base of an agency's business. so, as they tried to capture more listings, they were trying to hire more staff, which pus- pushed salaries and commission splits generally upwards. And so, the, actually, looking at the impact on profitability is one of the key things for us. Ultimately, business owners are in business to generate more profits and to take home money for themselves. And sometimes you get those counteracting influences, so, revenues increase but costs increase by the same or or sometimes more and actually have a negative impact on profitability. So some of the drives over the last few years, some of the real key changes is around the competition for listings pushing down commission rates and competition for staff pushing up salaries and commission splits have had a a squeezing impact on profit for for our agencies. Right. Um, I'm
0: just curious, how do you actually define a top performing agency but how, it, it,
1: yeah what's the criteria yeah for us it comes down to the profitability of the agency and and ideally we'd measure profitability by the net profit of the agency plus whatever uh, the principal is able to take home in commissions drawings dividends right. and so forth so we look at the amount of uh, profitability that the business is generating, including those things. In our survey, and for simplicity, we tend to look at just the net profit number. And we define a, a low-performing agency as uh, well. We have a category of people that are just breaking even, right. and then we have a category for people earning one to ten percent of profit. Right. Then ten to nineteen are the mid-range. They're, they're solid performers, and then our high performers are twenty percent profit margin plus. And it's interesting. Those high performers, the average profit margin was about twenty-eight percent, which was double the next category in the mid-range. And when you include the principals, re- uh, the principal's drawings onto that number, they're making nearly 40% profit margin. So very, very profitable businesses at the high end. But equally, the industry has a big spread across all of those categories. Quite a few are at breakeven and quite a few are in the high profit and everywhere in between
0: okay so um well that's that's for so what you're basically saying is if you've got a high performing business
1: um the rewards are incredible in real estate they are they are especially as those businesses tend to have more scale than some of the lower profit margin businesses so their um, their revenue can often be three or four million dollars or upwards and a 40 percent profit margin on that number is clearly a sizeable payout to the principals. Yeah. so very profitable businesses
0: Uh, Dan, I'm very curious, how does profit margin link to the business performance?
1: Yeah, so this is one of the um, one of the questions we're always really keen to explore. What makes the high profit um, high profitability business? What really drives that number? And so we look through several of the categories, but one of the strongest links that we can find is that between productivity and profitability. So the more profitable a business, generally, the more productive all of their staff are. Generally, the more properties per property manager are being managed, with n- the more sales per sales agent, the higher commission per sales agent. And I think that sales commission per sales agent statistic is one that really defines it very clearly. So a high profitability business, on average, their sales agents are making $303,000 in gross commission a year. By comparison, a break-even business, the average was $187,000 in gross commission per agent per year. So there's a vast difference. And when you look at not only the impact on profitability, but the impact as the market softens, those high-performing businesses can essentially afford to see a market downturn of 38% before they hit that breakeven level. So it really gives them a, a strong buffer to be able to discount commissions, um, win those listings as the market softens and volumes decline. Okay, that's a, a, a very key point. So anyone watching um, uh, this video
0: must really get their mind across the uh, critical importance of um, your profit If you're a business owner, your profit is going to be highly dependent on the average fees each of the salespeople bring into the office. And what you're saying is in a high performing business, um, it's nearly twice as much. It's nearly twice as much um, to a poor performing um,
1: business on the gross commission income. I mean yeah, it's, it's that clear uh, a distinction that, um, that those top performing businesses are generating that much more revenue Per employee and per asset of the business than the the break-even businesses. Um, so a really interesting fact for me in the in the findings actually was that the break-even uh, level of sales agent commission for an agency was about 187,000. We actually think when you add on costs and the desk costs of employing those agents, the true break-even figure is somewhere between 200,000 to 250,000 in gross commission. So if you have agents that are writing less than those figures in gross commission, then they're probably not adding to the profitability of the agency, and that's where we think there's a huge opportunity for, um, for our clients. Something like 68% of sales agents are earning less than $250,000 worth of sales commission. So two thirds of the industry at the moment won't be adding, adding any profitability to their agencies. So by focusing on the right training and getting the right activity to bring those agents up to 250,000 and beyond, you can have a dramatic impact on the profitability of an agency and very quickly.
0: Okay. well, that's an interesting point that we can harp on, because this is something that you can uh, uh, truly... If you're a business owner, you can actually do something about that Mm -hmm. that may not require a major investment, and that is to improve the ability of your current people and because a real estate owner doesn't sit down with a calculator and work out, you know, potentially the true costs of that person, yeah. what, what you're saying then is, based on numbers, based on this helicopter view, it appears that, you know, more than half of the salespeople employed... potentially not adding any profit to the business
1: yeah yes so they might be adding revenue but by the time you look at all the all of the costs of employing those people especially in the states where there's real pressure on the Commission splits with those agents they may not be adding any profitability. so the so
0: the takeaway point there is a big investment
1: in your business is to make your people better yes Yeah, Um, and one of the key findings in the survey what the the people who responded to the survey told us, those high profit margin businesses where they're getting really good productivity more than half their training comes from external trainers and coach being in the business, a lot of the lower profit margin and mid range profit businesses rely more on on the job training and perhaps a senior salesperson going out uh, on calls jointly with with a junior salesperson and that's very important clearly but the really high profit margin businesses have a much more systemised approach to the coaching and they rely a lot more on external trainers coming in and really boosting that productivity, a very clear divide in the answers between high profit margin and the rest of the um, the rest of the survey respondents. Yeah, well, I could look. I mean, I work in the
0: business uh, down of training, and I actually see uh, see that that uh, I mean numbers validate it to me. But I clearly see salespeople that have got um, the training and coaching going on in those businesses. Seem to uh, be writing significant um, amounts more of money. We'll, we'll talk later on um, if we can on the kind of training that you know um, is is out there that this, this uh, study showed happened. But I'm I'm curious. Like we've we've spoken about the performance of salespeople and the performance of property managers mm. um, highly affect the profitability of the business. How many properties they manage and how many um, what the GCI salespeople write. I'm curious. How does um, um, Uh, were, Were there other things? When you were asking these questions, what makes a high profit agency different from other agencies? Was there other things there?
1: Yeah, so on the one hand, the productivity of their people is generally, um, not generally, across the board, it was higher than uh, the lower margin businesses. The other was their view around cost management. So uh, there was a real divide across all the major cost elements. So salesperson commission splits, property management salaries, and then advertising and marketing spend. So just to give you a brief run through of some of those, in the high profit margin businesses, on average, the commission split with agents was about 38%. The mid-range businesses it was 44% and in the low profit business, 41%. So the high profit margin businesses are actually paying a lower percentage commission away to their sales agents who are delivering more productivity. Now the reality for the sales agent is they're probably taking home a a much higher dollar figure because they're being more productive, they're working in an office where they're getting the good coaching and, and the good training. They'll be taking home higher pay. But from a business point of view, the business owner is able to maintain more profitability for themselves. With property management salaries, again, there was quite a stark difference in the um, high profit margin businesses. Property managers with less than three years' experience, on average, were paid 47000 a year. In low margin businesses, it was 53000 So again, incremental differences across the cost base. And when advertising and marketing came in, again, a really clear divide. High profit margin businesses on average spend about 7% on the advertising and marketing. The low margin businesses, it was 10%. So what you're really seeing, uh, what the signs are really pointing to, is those high profit margin businesses are incredibly well run, very professionally run. And the business managers have a view across every single element of the costs about what's going to drive the most productive outcome. They don't tend to spend their money on, uh, on unproductive, uses they tend to they might spend higher dollar figures because their businesses are are bigger but they're really putting it where it counts that's driving more productivity for their people so actually everyone in the business is better off
0: this is um, a very important point and to the viewers out there um, it's very clear what you're saying that just getting out a big checkbook and paying big money to headhunt people to come over to the business and paying them higher amounts um does not necessarily uh, equate to you having a profitable business just because they're going to be uh, ro- more money being ridden in the business. What you're saying is that um, the best businesses appear to be very efficient. And because they're efficient, they were able to turn over more property and what an agent made less in their split, they're able to make because they sell more property. Yep. All right, I wanna if, if someone's watching this and they're a, a low performing business, can I ask you um, what can they do to improve? Firstly, what are some of the things yeah. that you'd notice about I mean, if you walked in there, how would you know that they're low performing? And
1: more importantly, what can they do about it to be non low performing? Yeah. So the the first thing for us is always to have a look at how the business is performing financially compared to other similar size agencies in their area, <coughs> and it's very important to get that benchmark against your data to see how you're performing because businesses can go through cycles depending on the market and on the particular area they're operating in. And but you can So, so
0: and, and I don't think we've touched on this, Dan, but you don't necessarily have to be a mega office
1: to be profitable, do you? No, no, not at right. all. Not at all. In fact, there's um, <coughs> there's some um, arguments that say that if you're a small niche sales office you can actually be much more profitable than if you are a sales office with one to two hundred properties under management. There's a, uh, there's an element of managerial distraction that comes with having one to two hundred properties. There's more people to manage, more landlords to deal with. Actually if you were to focus on sales you could probably operate at a lower cost and generate higher, um, uh, higher revenue. And when we looked at the survey Interestingly, the high profit margin businesses were often the larger ones. One in five had more than 20 staff. but It was a very similar ratio with the low profit businesses. So scale in and of itself doesn't guarantee profitability. It's having the scale and then leveraging it to get good cost improvements and high productivity on the sales team. So it's really important to use the scale wisely. Okay. So if you're a low performing business, what are some of the things that you can do? Yeah, so um, one of the reasons we do the benchmarking is to give people clarity of where their business is actually at. We have a system called Macquarie Business Intelligence, which is a free online benchmarking tool. So anyone, Macquarie client or not, can yeah. subscribe to that and see how their business is performing. So, step one for me is get a real gauge of how your business is actually doing. Uh, right. are, are you a good, middle, or, or poor performer? And it's only when you actually recognize that that you can start to deal with the problems. Um, then, then look at the productivity, is, is my suggestion for the first stop. Costs are notoriously difficult to, to change, so if you are looking at um letting employees go. There's a lot of cost, both emotional and financial, that goes along with that process. So for me, I'd look at the productivity first. I'd look at which agents you've got who are around that 200000 in gross commission or below, and find a way to implement sales training to help them improve. And it's really, for me, it's about the activity levels to begin with. Um, really setting reward and recognition around doing the right activities, following the right sales process, and making sure there is a formal process for them to follow. So really look at the productivity to begin with, and then when you've got the quantity of activity right? Start refining it for quality so make sure you are doing the on the job coaching, how are the listing presentations going, why is this person only winning 1 in 10 and that one's winning 1 in 5 really get the volume of activity up first and then refine the quality then start focusing on costs, that would be my suggestion of a, of a process flow Okay, Dan I'm you know, this is a, a subject I'd want
0: to unpack a little bit more, because when we talk about, you know, um, improving and fixing things, one of the things that keeps business owners up at night is, um, and in these are in most parts of Australia, is they want more listings. Yeah. And salespeople want more listings. Um, were you able, in the uh, Pulse survey, to find out um, where do listings come from for agents?
1: Yes, Yeah, we, um, we did ask a couple of questions around that, and you're absolutely right, most of the commentary that, that does keep sales agents uh, and principals awake at night is listings. There's been a real shortage of listings over the last couple of years, especially on the East, uh, East Coast. Interestingly for us, because there's a number of tactics that people have employed to win more listings, uh, but the, the by far the most successful was still mining the CRM, the, the client database that the agencies have, and arguably it's one of the things that agencies don't necessarily do as well as they could. So we often hear stories about information from open for inspections or, uh, or rental inspections making it back into the, the CRM database, but something like four, 54% of new listings actually come from working prospects in the client database and staying in touch with people you've done business with before. So it's a huge proportion of business. So that's really interesting because what we're saying is
0: um, uh, nurturing and prospecting and working the database is the highest source of getting listings.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that could mean two things. One, it could mean that businesses aren't putting enough energy and effort into other methods of prospecting, whether it's cold calling or or other um, types of marketing effort. Equally, if I had a staff member that was around that two hundred thousand in gross commission, that break-even level, and I wanted to get their activity levels up very quickly, the database is is where I would start because that seems to be where most listings are generated at the moment.
0: Yeah, well, Dan, what we're clearly now and seeing in the industry is that. Uh, Listings now, I decided a long time before the listing presentation, Mm. and what people are doing is they're having a relationship with an agent long before the day they sign an agency agreement, and that's pretty much um, about people um, talking to an agent, and talking to an agent means doing it on a regular basis, means that you've got to be very efficient at doing it, and that's why working the database is is critical. there were uh, uh, other forms of
1: how agents got listings? Yeah, we looked into social media as well, that was, um, we asked- So social
0: media, I'm I'm really curious, because this has to be the most talked about thing in the world of real estate from agents on um, using new ways of getting listings.
1: what did you find? I mean, what's what's the best one? Twitter? Facebook? What, what's happening there? Yeah, we found that Facebook was actually a, a clear leader in terms of the amount of business that it generated compared to the other categories. So just to give you the exact figures, um, Facebook was also the most popular. 86% of businesses had a Facebook page. The next in line was LinkedIn with 54% of businesses having a LinkedIn page. In terms of actually generating new listings, as I say, Facebook was, was a long way ahead um, with 58% of businesses saying that Facebook help them to generate new listings interestingly social media as a category uh, was credited with 2% of the overall listings that uh, an agency was winning so where I mentioned that the uh, the database was generating 54% of listings social media was just 2% and we think that social media is almost like a website now there's a hygiene factor to it you have to be involved you have to be engaged on social media people just expect there to be that level of, of engagement and it's also difficult I think to really dissect where leads come from yeah. as you just mentioned it's really a relationship built over time and social media is a very cost effective and and, um, and I think an emotionally effective way of staying in touch with a large number of people on a regular basis so we think it's a necessity it's just how many uh, leads are really generated from that that method yeah. um, I think Dan what actually happens with um, uh, social media but all uh,
0: lead sources is Clients don't actually um, specifically know exactly why they've called you all they know is they've joined the dots and joining the dots is that you know they've seen signboards they've seen online they've seen offline media Um, they have other people talking about it they see things on their facebook uh, timeline and it's this um, constant jabbing that you do these minor jabs constantly over a period of time that acts as a, a Uh, uh, not necessarily as an acquisition strategy but as a retention strategy as a client you know
1: i mean arguably that's how a lot of our relationships are actually formed outside of the working world now it's it's um those touch points through social media and and email and um and and messenger services so it should be no different in the work life and i agree it's very much the touch point but
0: what you're saying is it was facebook was a mile ahead of yes. all the other sources and I mean in 2016 I would say that Facebook has become the yellow pages of 2016 yeah. uh, and unfortunately you uh, um, Facebook have found a way to, to monetize it and uh, once you're a, a business um, you will have to invest some money to get uh, um, maximum leverage um, an audience from a, a business uh, Facebook page yeah um, I'm, you know, like one of the things I'm just curious, you know, when you, when, when you do something like this and you look at businesses right around the country, New South Wales, Queensland, Victoria, uh, I always like to have a look and see were there patterns that you can see one state over another state? Were there differences? What did you, you know, who's, by the way, who's doing best around the country?
1: Yeah, well, best is a very subjective measure, but one of the things that always strikes me with these surveys is uh, how different the industry structure in Victoria appears to be to the rest of the country. So in Victoria, the businesses generally had the highest productivity per sales agent. To give you an idea, they had about 319,000 of gross commission compared to New South Wales, which was 308,000. So even though property values are more expensive than Melbourne, I think um, Melbourne is about two-thirds the price of Sydney on average um, house prices at the moment, the agents were still generating higher levels of gross commission. So I found that very interesting. And that compared, again, to South Australia at 131,000 in gross commission. So they are generally much more productive businesses. Right. OK. Um, you know, as we, you know, come
0: towards um, um, the end of this uh, uh Great discussion. I think it's a, it's 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 an interview that we're going to complement and um, uh, provide people with some uh, uh, clear, tangible action steps that they can start doing tomorrow um, if they click on. The link below that's going to actually um, take yep. them to some um, clear takeaway things that people can do. I'm also uh, Dan going to you know make sure that there's a there's a there's a few things that are probably best seen as a PowerPoint slides. You know, um, the the gross commission income of salespeople around yeah, the country, absolutely. what they're making. Um, Um, various break-even points and and maybe just looking at those sources of listings so we'll provide those as a PowerPoint thing. Final question I was going to ask you if you're if you're a real estate business owner and you're watching this video should you feel what at the moment?
1: I think um, for for me the current market is really about making sure that your business is prepared for what comes next because the truth is that we're not necessarily sure what the next 12 to 24 months will bring and hopefully it will be more steady continued growth but I think we can learn a lot from the markets where we have seen a drop off and the businesses in those markets that have still thrived and survived. So if I look at the, the Perth market, which is going through a bit of a slowdown, there are some agencies there that are still doing incredibly well and still generating high profit. So in the same market, some businesses are poor performing, some are high performing. So as a business owner right now, I think it's really a case of get a real understanding of where your business currently sits, get a real understanding of what the high performing businesses are doing and start working towards it, because if you have a good market then your business will go incredibly well and if you have a poor market your business will be safe and secure and continue to generate good profits for you as a business owner okay and that's exciting and I think that if
0: someone's out there watching this right now you're also saying that uh, don't necessarily get too concerned if you're small or if you're big just be good at what you are Uh, be efficient at what you are Um, you can make high profits if you're a small business, you can make low profits if you're a big business or you can make extraordinary profits if you're a big business
1: Absolutely, it all comes down to the productivity and the relative performance of your business so again, I always encourage people to look at the benchmarking, there's a number of different benchmarking um, tools and and program reports that are produced each year and as I mentioned earlier Macquarie have their free online business intelligence product, so really establishing where you're at and how your productivity compares to other people in the market, that's that's the number one key it's only when you recognize it that you can actually then start to implement processes to change it okay
0: we're going to have links to the most important and useful um, tools that they can have including um, doing that self-assessment benchmark yeah Um, thank you so much much appreciated you guys are a big stakeholder in the real estate industry Um, I know that uh, a lot of the big real estate clients um, I coach uh, have their accounts um, and their business looked after Macquarie Bank. And uh, thank you for sharing this insight. Thank you, Tom. Thank you. Awesome. Senior pleasure. Thank Beautiful. you. A fantastic insight into the real estate industry in Australia. The links are up there for you to get the various reports. I'd also like to let you know that it's so important to have salespeople being the best version of themselves every day at work. The Real Estate Gym has been built to build world-class million-dollar agents. Click on the link to find out more.